When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. And welcome in. It's another edition of 5th Avenue Faceoff, Odyssey Pittsburgh's Penguins podcast. Uh, and boy, where do we start? First, let's start with this. If you have not yet subscribed to Fifth Avenue Faceoff, do so, regardless of how you get your podcast, whether you do it through Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, however you do it, subscribe, leave a rating and a review. Let me know how it's going, at least in your opinion, preferably five stars, because it's that good, even if the team has not been. And uh, if you get it inside your Odyssey app, which is hopefully the place you get it, A-U-D-A-C-Y, uh, download your Odyssey app if you haven't already. Just click the little follow button up there in the top right-hand corner, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they are available inside your Odyssey app. I'm Chris Mack of the Fan Morning Show, Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. And, man, this was bad. If ever there were an inopportune moment for the Penguins to absolutely melt down to implode it would be this second of the back-to-back games in new york at madison square garden not back-to-back nights but back-to-back games a little scheduling uh maybe not snafu but abnormality the pens play the rangers twice in three days in new york to wrap up their four game season series after beating the rangers at ppg paints arena way back in december In regulation, they beat him in overtime earlier this week, actually last weekend. Uh, And it looked like, hey, maybe there'll be some nice back and forth here. The Penguins were starting to figure some things out, right? At least it felt like post-trade deadline, even if they'd had to deal with injuries to Nick Bonino and Dmitry Kulikov, you know, Mikhail Granlin wasn't as awful as maybe you thought he might be. Still not great by any means, but it felt like maybe they were figuring some things out, right? Um, aside from games against the Islanders, which seemed to be their Achilles heel, uh, and that ugly come-from-ahead loss to Montreal. They they thumped the Flyers, right? Okay, I think what we're learning here about this team throughout the implosion against the Rangers is that they quite simply, outside of what, games against Tampa maybe, they simply play to the level of their competition. I mean, I could just sit here and scroll back through the schedule. Um, And if you're looking at me right now, watching the show on YouTube, you're going to notice my head swing back and forth like this is a tennis match because I'm just referencing the schedule here on my laptop. And we'll go backwards. We'll work backwards through their schedule, right? And look at the recent results. And we'll we'll write them down. This is going to be like a nice little exercise, right? And we'll just track how things have gone, all right? Rangers, that's a playoff team, right? That's a loss. Rangers before that on Thursday, playoff team, loss. Uh, Canadiens before that, non-playoff team, but a loss nonetheless. Uh, Rangers before that, they had won in overtime. Okay, so there you go. Two points against the playoff team. Flyers before that, a win, but a non-playoff team. 
They lost to the Islanders, a playoff team. Came back, huge comeback against the Blue Jackets. That was fun, right? And won in overtime after going down 4 nothing. Uh, but that's a win, but again, against the worst team in the league. Before that, it was the Florida Panthers, uh, and they lost to them. Florida technically not a playoff team, but they're nipping at the Penguins' heels right now. Again, stick with me throughout this exercise as we're back all the way to the beginning of March now when they beat Tampa in an overtime game. Okay, there's there's a win against the playoff team, right? Okay, let's go back to February because I want to get like a, a full month. Let's go back to the All-Star break. How about that, Okay. And we'll see if we can get a bead on something as we're seeing a trend here, right? Okay, they beat Nashville on the road right before the deadline. Uh, that's a win against a non-playoff team. They'd beaten Tampa, so another win against the playoff team. But really, I'm going to just asterisk that game and the other one against Tampa because for some reason, the Lightning can't figure out the Penguins. They beat St. Louis on the road in overtime. That's a win against the playoff team. But here's where things really get interesting and you start to see this pattern developing. The ugly loss to Edmonton at home. That's a playoff team. The loss to the Islanders before that. A playoff team. The loss to the Devils before that. A playoff team. The loss to the Islanders the night before that out on Long Island. A playoff team. A win against the Sharks out West. But, oh, yeah, Sharks are bad. What Worst team in the Western Conference, right? Uh, an ugly loss to the Kings. The Kings, guess what? At that point in time, and still... A playoff team tied for the Pacific Division lead. So there we go. It's another loss to a playoff team. You see where we're going with this exercise? A win over Anaheim the night before that. Non-playoff team. Before that, they had the pretty overtime win against Colorado coming out of the All-Star break, right? That felt like, okay, even though the game itself wasn't pretty, you get the outcome that you're looking for against a playoff team, right? Okay, win against Colorado. So if we go back to just the all-star break against non-playoff teams, the Penguins are, let's see, two, four, six, and two against, that was against non-playoff teams. Against playoff teams, they are one, two, three, four, and are you ready for this? Eight, four and eight against playoff teams. Going back to the all-star break, six and two against non-playoff teams. Should we continue this exercise any further back into the month of January? You know what? Just for shats and giggles, let's do it, okay? Let's go back to a win over, San, or excuse me, the loss to San Jose right before the break. Okay, that's a loss to a non-playoff team. Uh, a loss to the Caps, another loss to a non-playoff team. This is, again, before the break. A win over the Panthers, another non-playoff team technically still. And then you get New Jersey, an overtime loss to them. You get a, a split with Ottawa. Mm, okay, non-playoff team. A win over the Ducks. That's another win over a non-playoff team as we roll back through January now. A loss to Carolina. A loss uh, to Winnipeg, another playoff team, right? Winnipeg's still in playoff positioning, I believe. Uh, yep, they're the second wild card out West right now. So, again, the pattern continues. In their last... 15 games against playoff teams. The Penguins are 4-11. and 11. You go back the same number of games against non-playoff teams, and you get, what, like 9-5 and five or so. Let me just double check because they had one against Vancouver. Okay, 10-5 and five against non-playoff teams. So there we go. We've gone back 30 games now. Is that right? That adds up. 30 games. They're not beating good teams. This is the takeaway after going through that whole exercise. And this is what we learned from Rangers Week, hashtag Rangers Week. 
they're not beating good teams. Again, four and 11 in their last 15 against playoff teams. They're beating teams that are worse than them. Okay, 10 and five in their last 15 against non-playoff teams. What does this mean? It means they are so damn mediocre that they can't even break out of a rut in either direction. It's why they are right there, smack dab in the middle. And if you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, there's a good chance you're also a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. If you're listening to this podcast or watching it on YouTube, thank you again for doing that. Subscribe while you're there. Hit the like button. Hit the notification button. You'll get new episodes as soon as they're ready on YouTube as well. You can see my beautiful face while I rant and rave like a lunatic. Um, What we've learned is if you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, you're also likely a Steelers fan. And if you listen to this podcast, you also probably listen to 93.7 The Fan a good bit. If not, let me catch you up to speed on something we've talked about a lot on the Fan Morning Show and 93.7 The Fan. And that is mediocre is no way to be. You're either great or you're rebuilding to get back to greatness. Uh, nobody wants to be mediocre, including in the NHL. Because what's that get you? That gets you in the NFL. I mentioned if you're a Pens fan, you're probably a Steelers fan. Um, that gets you, what, a wild card spot? and you lose in the first round in that wild card round. Now in the NHL where we've got wild cards as well, the same thing will happen. You'll get a wild card spot. Maybe you'll win a round if you get lucky, right? If your goaltender gets hot, that's not happening anytime soon for the Penguins, right? Um, But maybe you'll steal a round, but more than likely, you won't. You'll be a wild card. You'll get bounced in the first round, and that'll be that. For a lot of organizations in any major professional sports league, you know, the... Winnipeg Jets of the world, the Arizona Coyotes of the world, um, the, say, Jacksonville Jaguars of the world, if we want to draw another NFL comparison. Just getting there is okay. It's all right. Yeah. But when your standard is five Stanley Cup championships and six trips to the Cup final in the last 32 years, well, you expect more. You expect more. You expect, now on average, let's do some more math here. That average is out to a trip to the cup final every five years or so. At the very least, the Penguins, over the course of the last 30 years, have given us at least a trip to the conference finals that often. At least. And more often than not, it has included a trip to the Stanley Cup final as well. I mean, we can think back to 96, 2001, And what else am I forgetting? There's another trip to the conference finals in there. Oh, against Boston um, when they were swept out. So there's a few more trips to the conference finals in the mix there as well. Point being, we expect success. We expect to be, when we look up around Memorial Day, we should feel like the season has either just come to an end or is just about ending, whether it ends in a parade or not. That's the standard around here. Other than a few years between the Lemieux-Yager era ending and the Crosby-Malkin era beginning. Uh, You had the weird lap over there for a time. Anyway, point being, other than the X-generation years of Rico Fada and Ramsey Abid, uh, Dick Tarnstrom, the expectations for this organization are get deep into the playoffs. But when you're mediocre, that's not an expectation. And that's what this team has become. Because... Despite the greatness of Sidney Crosby, of Genny Malkin, and Chris Letang, guys who are playing like they are 25 and 26 still, despite the fact that they are 35 and 36, 
despite the greatness of those guys, the other half of the roster or the other two thirds of the roster in some cases, if we don't lump in the Gensels and Raquel's and Zucker's of the world who've had good seasons, great seasons in Zucker's and Raquel's case, um, the rest of the roster, it's so bad, it drags the greatness down. And the greatness is only so great anymore that you can only drag the dregs of the roster so far along, which is how you end up, bang, dead square in the middle. And that's what the Pittsburgh Penguins are. They are in the middle. They are mediocre. 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 Meaty. Makes me hungry. Makes me hungry for some decent hockey. And we're not getting any. So this is where you go. When you mismanage a roster for multiple off seasons in a row, uh, we could go all the way back to the expansion draft, right? You see the weapons that are in place for the Kraken out there in Seattle. McCann, Tanev. Those are guys that have them in position to be a wildcard team right now. At times, they were really hot earlier this year, and they were even better than that. But the Kraken are in position to go to the playoffs because they've got guys who can do it up and down the lineup. Middle six guys like McCann and Tanev. And McCann has been even more for them. Uh, and Ron Hextall frittered those pieces away, right? And here we are a little over two years, about two and a half years now, since Ron Hextall took over. And that will be the calling card of his regime to this point. Not McCann and Tanev so much, but just poor decisions. I mean, look at the moves that he has made and tell me which ones have worked out to this point. Card Raquel, bringing back Malkin and Latang this year, uh, worked out in so much as they've been productive, but because of all the other moves around the big three, it hasn't worked out. So here we are, a Rangers week implosion because the Penguins are simply mediocre. They are not as good as the Rangers and the Hurricanes and the Devils and the Maple Leafs and the Lightning, even though they've beaten them multiple times this year. It's certainly not as good as the Bruins. I would argue not as good as the Islanders either, especially when playoff-style hockey is being played. And just not good enough to get very far once these playoffs start, which means what do we bring back the big three for, if not for another cup run, just to limp into the playoffs? despite their absolute best efforts at the ages they are at. <sighs> so that's where we are. Uh, a few questions to be answered. I threw it out on Twitter and uh, got a couple via email as well. Uh, a mailbag of sorts this week on Fifth Avenue Faceoff or today on Fifth Avenue Faceoff as we do multiple episodes every week. And uh, we get you ready for a game against the Ottawa Senators on Monday. And then after that, we'll get into this later. It's not going to get any easier. Uh, Stars and Avalanche on the road, back-to-back. That sits off on the horizon as well. But some decent questions that I wanted to answer because they start to take us down the path. Well, it's the path beyond just the next four to six weeks or whatever may remain of the Penguins' season this spring. It's about what lays off in the distance. All of these questions, and it tells me a lot about you guys as fans and listeners of this podcast, you're starting to already turn the page to next year. I'm right there with you. You just heard me rant for 
the better part of 15 minutes about how this team is mediocre and isn't going anywhere this year. So questions about next year, in particular, starting with this offseason. Those coming up inside the mailbag, the Q&A, as it were. And we will start to take a look ahead to the rest of this week and beyond with just a few weeks remaining in the regular season and the playoffs also out on the horizon as well. That's coming up on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back in 5th Avenue Faceoff. Make sure you follow this podcast inside your Odyssey app. You'll get new episodes as soon as they are ready. I'm Chris Mack, 93.7 The Fan and The Fan Morning Show. Don't forget YouTube as well. Go to 93.7 The Fan's YouTube page. Uh, you'll get new videos once you click on the notification button uh, from 93.7 The Fan as soon as they are ready, including full episodes of Fifth Avenue Faceoff, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review, and by all means, send questions in. Chris.Mack, M-A-C-K, at odyssey.com, or just follow me on Twitter, at Mac. You can send questions in that way as well. And I asked for a mailbag of sorts. Give me your questions. And we got some. Uh, I think there was a general malaise and depression setting in on Saturday, especially after the game on Saturday night. So probably not as many questions, to be quite honest, as I expected. But there are some in there that, to be quite honest, they all have the same theme of long term. Now what? Uh, and let's start with Christy. I think it was Christy followed by a bunch of digits on Twitter who said, how would you handle Tristan Jari's pending UFA unrestricted free agent status this offseason? I'll tell you how I'd handle it. Let him walk. Let him walk. Uh, if he gets a multi-year deal from anybody out there, by all means, let him go. Um, right now, and I saw Joe Starkey tweet this out earlier, so I want to make sure I get it right and give him credit for it. Joe Starkey uh, of Cook and Joe on 93.7 The Fan. A very telling number. I think it's a very telling number. He just kind of threw it out there without context for people to do with what they please. Um, But this tells me a lot. Joe Starkey tweeted this Sunday morning at about 1030 a.m. He says, make of this what you will. I simply find it interesting. Save percentage. This season, in 38 games, Tristan Jari, a 907 save percentage. Numbers obviously have been much worse over the last month or so since he came back from injury when he's been pulled four times in 11 games. Casey DeSmith, in 34 games this year, also a 907 save percentage. Career numbers, save percentage. Jari, over 197 games, 913 save percentage. Casey DeSmith, career, over 130 games, save percentage, 913. We've led ourselves to believe that because of his work in the regular season the past few years, when he wasn't hurt, Tristan Jari is a number one goaltender. I'm here to tell you Tristan Jari has proven over the last couple of years that he's not a number one goaltender. He'd be an excellent backup, be a great backup, I think, to a team that has a legit number one. He'd be a great 1B to a 1A. He would essentially be a fantastic Casey DeSmith, his role right now, to an elite goaltender. But that's not what the Penguins ask him to be. The Penguins ask Tristan Jari to be their 1A, to be their guy. And that's what I think he's going to expect to get on the open market. 
whether he actually performs that way or not. I don't think he should. At least up until this point, I think that's what he expected to get once he hit the open market, if he hit the open market. But if you look at it, who in their right mind, short of Tristan Jari going into a first-round playoff series and pitching four consecutive shutouts against the Boston Bruins or Carolina Hurricanes or New Jersey Devils, short of him pitching four consecutive shutouts against one of those teams, the top of the Eastern Conference, does anybody look at Tristan Jari as a guy who can win a playoff series for a team. And by win a playoff series for a team, I mean, does he look like a guy who can grab a playoff series by the throat and just take control? No, he doesn't. He doesn't even look like a guy who can win big games in the regular season right now. At least he had that going for him last year. This year, doesn't even have that going for him. He looks abysmal at times. And the numbers that I just read from Joe Starkey's Twitter account, outlined that he is no better than Casey DeSmith, who we all widely acknowledge probably shouldn't have been given a contract extension this offseason. He's a backup. He's a pretty good backup at times, especially the way this team plays in front of him. He's a very good backup at times. Other times, he leaves a lot to be desired. Point being, he's a backup. He's a number two in this league, Casey DeSmith. If you had a great number one who you didn't have to rely on number two for all that often, you'd be okay. If you had a very healthy number one, who again, you never had to rely on number two for, or at least not all that often, you'd be okay with Casey DeSmith as your number two. Tristan Jari is neither reliable nor great. He is, as I just outlined a moment ago, a 1B to a really great 1A. But the Penguins don't have a 1A. And they don't have anything in the pipeline for that matter either. You know, you scroll through what's down there in the system, and it is not very deep at all. Philip Lindbergh, uh, that's really it. That, that, that They don't have the next thing coming up along the way. They're going to have to go out and shop in free agency or via a trade this offseason. I would not have a problem with letting Jari and DeSmith go. Trade DeSmith move Jari, or hold on to DeSmith as your number two if you can go out and get a great number one. But that doesn't look all that likely. I mean, where's the cap space going to come from? They don't have it. They don't. And I'll just, again, I'll, I'll, I'll go through an exercise with you right now. As you're watching on YouTube, listening on your Odyssey app or however you get your podcast, I'm going to go to Cap Friendly, great NHL salary cap website. And I'm just going to search for free agents this upcoming offseason. And let's see, we want goalie stats. Yes, sir. Um, and yeah, give me advanced stats too while we're at it. Age, current team, position. Um, just give me goaltenders. I don't need everybody. Just give me goaltenders, guys. Ah, here we go. Position. Goaltender. All right. Status. I want UFAs. That's what I want. Um, so I'm going to grab some UFAs for... This coming off season, and let's just see what we get, okay? Tristan Jari is going to be in the mix there. There's going to be a bunch of older guys in the mix as well. But if we just sort it by expected goals against per 60, okay? Expected goals against per 60. We're going to get a Jonas Johansson from Colorado, who's only played in two games, so his numbers are wonky. But you're going to end up with a bunch of guys who are older, I wouldn't necessarily consider elite pretty good. Auntie Ranta, Freddie Anderson, Jonathan Quick, 
uh, Martin Jones. Those are the guys you're going to end up with. I mean, there, there's a few here and there that are playing more regularly. Jones probably a little more regularly than quick. Now that uh, everything has settled down for him in Vegas, he might actually play more down the stretch. My point is this, you very quickly, Yaroslav Halak, who's played 20 games for the Rangers, you very quickly get down the list and there's Tristan Jari staring you in the face again. There's not a lot out there on the free agent market. So you're going to have to probably pull a trade. And if you're going to detach yourself from both goaltenders, Jari and DeSmith, I would think a veteran backup, one of these Ronta, Anderson, Quick, Jones types would be the answer for your veteran backup, your veteran 1B to a really good 1A. But who's going to be the 1A? There isn't anything out there, guys. There isn't. There just isn't. And so you're left scrolling through this list and seeing a bunch of veterans, retreads, guys who simply aren't going to be the elite goaltender you need to steal a series for you at some point in the playoffs. So when you ask me, what would I do with Jari and his pending unrestricted free agent status this offseason? I'd let him walk. And if he didn't get a multi-year offer from somebody, I'd bring him back on a one-year prove-it deal. And because I'm not going to be able to get anything better on the open market. If I could pull off a trade, maybe. But as we've seen, Ron Hextall, not the best trader of assets. Just not. He, he's just he's not good at trades, for lack of a better way to put it. So thank you, Christy, for the question. Mailbag question number two. Now that it's been two weeks since the trade deadline, has your opinion changed? That one from Brent. Um, no, not really. Uh, I was hopeful Kulikov being added to the lineup would mean Brian Dumoulin getting benched. It didn't. It meant POJ hit the press box and then Kulikov got hurt. And there was no way they could bench Dumoulin at that point. So Dumoulin continues to play, continues to do terribly, terribly stupid things with the hockey puck. Uh so hard to evaluate Kulikov to this point. I like the addition of Nick Benino as a depth center, um, but he's hurt. Might not be back until about a week or so before the playoffs start. Maybe maybe 10 to 12 days before the playoffs start. Uh, either way, I like Benino, but they won't really be able to use him before the playoffs come around. Assuming, again, they do solidify a playoff spot. Uh, and Mikhail Granlund is, you know... There, I, I talked about the Penguins being mediocre. Um, there is, there is no more mediocre. Uh, there's no more mediocre player on this team right now. I don't think than Mikhail Granlund. If you've seen The Hangover Part Two, remember Stu, who is played by uh, the, the actor from The Office. I, I can't remember his name now. Uh, Stu, the guy with the glasses. He's the dentist, right? And um, he's getting married, right? They're having a destination wedding. Ed Helms, producer Greg, saving me in the chat window there. Ed Helms, who plays Stu in the Hangover movies, right? Well, in the Hangover 2, he's getting married in Thailand, right? And his future father-in-law gives this big speech at the rehearsal dinner uh, the night before the wedding about how Stu, he clearly doesn't like Stu, doesn't like the Ed Helms character. Stu is choke, right? Choke is this tasteless, bland, rice byproduct kind of thing that is supposed to be easy for, 
for old people and children to digest because it's just bland and average and mediocre. And that's what Stu is. Stu is choke. Mikhail Granlund is choke. He's just there. He's just easily digesting minutes. Look, he's not hasn't been as bad as we thought he would be. I don't think. He's managed to keep up with the pace of play uh, more so than he was towards the end of his time in Nashville. But he brings absolutely nothing to the table. He is the classic example. I'll use another, another analogy, this one from sports. He is the classic example of a fifth arm in the rotation or maybe middle relief guy out of the bullpen who just eats innings, right? You're down 8-2 in the top of the third, and you know this game isn't going anywhere on a given night. Bring that, yep, give me that guy out of the pen. Bring him in. He's just going to sop up four and a third to get us to the last inning or so of this game. He's an innings eater. Or as a starter, yeah, you know what? He's, he's fifth in our rotation, but all we're asking him to do is go out there and get us five, five and a third every five days. That's all we're asking. We're not even asking him to be particularly good at it. Just don't get blown out. He's an innings eater. That's Mikhail Granlund. But here's the problem. And this is where this starts to loop back around on Mike Sullivan. And thank you again for the question, Brent. To, to the, the short answer is, uh, no, I don't feel any differently about the deadline than I did at the time that it happened. Uh, at the time of the deadline, I thought, eh, he did just enough, right? Just enough uh, to, to try and cover up some of his mistakes. But not enough for what would be a cup contending team. Certainly not. Um, and so the problem with guys like Granlund and to a lesser extent, your Archibalds, um, I would say Carter when he's playing what is, you would consider his version of well, although his version of playing well is still just ugh, there. They're, they're minutes eaters. That's what they've become. They're, the, the depth lines on this team, you are simply ecstatic if they can just eat minutes without ending up with a negative differential, whether it be goal differential, shot differential, chance differential. If they can just break even, you're ecstatic, right? Think about it. When we've been the least bit satisfied with Jeff Carter's play or Brian Dumoulin's play or Mikhail Granlin's play over the last few weeks and months, it's been simply because, oh man, they didn't get absolutely dominated. Whew. That's not what you want from your third and fourth lines. I mean, if that's, if that's all you're asking, and that's not even what you're asking, you'd like them to be more than just, again, to use the hangover analogy, choke. They're just innings eaters, minutes eaters. They are bland. They are nothing. They are just out there existing on the ice. And that's when they're playing well. When they're not playing well, they're getting absolutely roasted. Carter, Dumoulin, Grandlin, not as much. But he's been exceedingly average. Uh, so I guess by by that notion, he's exceeded expectations. I don't know. I don't feel any differently, though, about the deadline as a whole as I did that day. I was somewhat underwhelmed, uh, and I'm still underwhelmed. One more question from the mailbag, uh, and then we'll get ready to wrap things up here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Uh, from Pat, the question was simply, uh, what are we doing here? And that's a great question for everyone involved now, isn't it? And I'll start, I'll start at the very top, right? I like Brian Burke a lot as a person. He seems like a great guy. You know, he put out this big statement. Today is uh, Sunday, March 19th, as I'm recording this. 
put out this big statement uh, about Pride Night jerseys. This is in light of James Reimer of the Sharks not wanting to wear one in warmups. And I'm not going to go down the, the political avenue of that discussion. Uh, but Brian Burke feels very strongly about it and put out this big statement about his stance on it. And I'm not going to necessarily disagree with Brian Burke putting out that statement. But allow me, if, if I can, for just a moment to ask, where's the same fire from Brian Burke or Ron Hextall or anyone within this organization for the on-ice product? I don't want to discount his stance and his belief, and it's a very strong one, about something off the ice. And again, I'm not going to go down the political aisle of that conversation, but I'd like to hear Brian Burke above and beyond his belief uh, in the inclusion of everyone in the game of hockey and Pride Night jerseys being a symbolic gesture of that, I'd like to hear Brian Burke on this team and the general manager that works for him in the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'd like to hear from Ron Hextall more than once every three or four months when the team is flailing about trying to find itself and he's got to try and slap duct tape, not even flex tape. If it were flex tape, Bill Swift here for flex tape. If it were flex tape, he could slap it on the side of this thing and it would hold it together. It's not. It's some cheap duct tape he got at the dollar store that Hextall's trying to put things together with. I'd like to hear him other than when he's slapping the cheap duct tape onto the side of the tank of water as it pours out the side and everything just starts to leak, right? I'd like to hear Mike Sullivan be honest with me. I mean, really honest about what he thinks about Brian Dumoulin, Jeff Carter, Guys that simply aren't getting it done. I know how you feel, Sully. I could see how many minutes Carter is playing these days, or more accurately, not playing. But I can also see the fact that you continue to roll him out there for important minutes, late in games, with your goaltender pulled on a power play. And you tell me it's because of the face-offs. Great. He can win all the face-offs he wants. If once he wins that face-off, he is a complete and total liability to his team when, when he's on the ice, you can't put him out there. And I'd like some honest evaluation from Mike Sullivan. I don't know. Maybe we got it from him last month. Remember right before the deadline when he said, huh, you guys see our roster. We got what we got. I'm paraphrasing there, but that's basically what he said. I'd like to get a whole lot of honesty from the people in charge up to and including Fenway Sports Group. But that's a, that's a postseason thing. When I, somebody, anybody from them should speak to the fans in this town about what they actually expect going forward. Because if they keep Brian Burke, if they keep Ron Hextall in power, and I know a lot of people are pushing the Sullivan button now too, but if they keep the people in power, in charge, in those positions of power, what's to lead you to believe that anything is going to go differently next year? Another wasted year of Crosby, Malkin, Latang down, out the door. What leads you to believe things are going to change? Nothing. So when you ask the question, Pat, as you did. And thank you for the question. Again, chris.mac at odyssey.com. Throw those questions at me for the next mailbag. Um, when you ask the question, uh, what are we doing here? My answer is, I don't know. And the scarier part is, they don't know. They don't. Fenway doesn't know. Burke doesn't know. Hextall doesn't know. Sullivan doesn't know what to do with what he has on hand. So from the top down, nobody knows. That's the scariest part. That's the worst place you can be. Mediocre, like I said earlier, and not knowing which direction you want to go or how you're going to get in whatever direction you want to go. Man, flailing about 
is what they are. I picture uh, if you've ever been in a grocery store with a tired and hungry toddler, when they just kind of throw themselves down on the floor, and they just, uh, they're whining and moaning, arms and legs kicking about everywhere because they don't know. They don't know what they want. They don't know what they need. They're just a tired, hungry toddler. My suggestion would be Fenway, Brian Burke, Ron Hextall. They're the tired, hungry toddlers who have no idea what the hell to do next. So they're just going to lay on the floor and flail about. Thanks for the questions, though, guys. Um, All right. We've talked about where they are right now. We've talked about uh, long-term where they're going in the future. What about the more immediate future? Like, bro, they got Ottawa on Monday, and then they got to go out west against some really good teams. Talk about that next, right here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back in Fifth Avenue Face Off. Hey, be sure to follow the podcast inside your Odyssey app, won't you please? I'm Chris Mack, 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh, The Fan Morning Show. Uh, if you get it via another outlet, maybe you get it via iTunes, maybe you get it via Spotify or Stitcher, however you do it, subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and a review. Uh, throw more mailback questions at us, chris.mack at odyssey.com, and we'll get around to answering them the next time we do a mailback. Thanks to those of you who submitted questions for today's episode, though. As the pens get ready now, for a busy week, um, they've got Ottawa Monday night at home and then a pair out west against the Avalanche and the Stars. No, it is not going to get any easier because the Avalanche and the Stars are currently, oh, the Stars and Avalanche, I should say, 1-2 in the Central Division. Dallas in first at, with uh, 89 points and playing a very stingy brand of hockey. One of the best goal differentials in the league. Let me check. It might be, might be best uh, best in the West. No one's better than Boston. I should have should have remembered that. Uh, but best in the West, certainly. And fifth best in the league, plus 49 Dallas. They just they don't give up a lot of goals. In fact, as I look at it, these are the two stingiest teams out West as far as goals allowed. Uh, the only teams in the East that are stingier than them and allowing goals are Boston, Carolina, and Toronto. Toronto's a close one. Uh, so that being said, this is what the Penguins have ahead of them in the next week. Ottawa Monday at Colorado on Wednesday, that one on TNT, at Dallas on Thursday, that one on ESPN, and then back home for the Caps next Saturday night uh, against Yeah, against Washington, also on ESPN or ABC or both, maybe. Point being, if we follow the template we followed earlier, when we sat here and went through the the last mm, two months, two and a half months, three months of games, and we went, oh, they're four and 11 against playoff teams, 10 and five against non-playoff teams in their last 30. Let's go through the next eight games. You want to go through the next eight games or should we go through? Let's go. You want to go through the rest of the season? We could let's just see how it goes. Okay. Let's start with Monday against Ottawa. Well, non playoff team. Let's give them a win at Colorado, at Dallas. L, L, just go L, big fat L right there. Okay. Um, Washington, let's give them a win. The Caps, they've, they've bailed on this season at Detroit. That's a win. Nashville, well, that's a win. Okay. We got a nice stretch of non playoff teams on the schedule. Oh, wait. Then they've got to host Boston 
a week from Thursday. That's an L. Philly, that's a win. Okay, so through the next eight games, they're actually setting up pretty nice if they continue to win against non-playoff teams and just lose to the playoff teams, right? That's five and three, I think it is. Then, Jersey and Minnesota. Minnesota's at home. Those will both be losses. At Detroit, that'll be a win. Home to the Blackhawks, that'll be a win. And then at Columbus to wrap the season up, that would be a win. I mean, there's a chance. And here's where it gets tricky with this team, man. This is what drives me nuts. So they'll go to Jersey, right? I'm just writing this down so I have it in front of me. And then Minnesota at home, that'll be an L because Minnesota's a playoff team. Uh, And then at Detroit, that's a win because Detroit's no longer in the conversation. Against Chicago at home. In the home finale, uh, I assume there will be a jerseys off our backs sort of component to that one. That'll be a win because the Blackhawks stink. And then at Columbus to wrap the season up on April 13th. We're now, yes, just three weeks from the end of the regular season. And that will be, did I do that right? Three weeks. Anyway, my math's off. About four, three and a half weeks away from the end of the regular season. That'll be a win against Columbus on April 13th in the regular season finale. You just look at who they have on the schedule. There's a good chance they could win eight out of their final 13. That's That'll be good enough to get them in the playoffs. Maybe, maybe even get them uh, into the first wild card, in which case we don't know who they're going to play, to be quite honest, because if you look at recent form, hmm. The Rangers could catch the Devils. Uh, Could the Rangers catch the Hurricanes? Maybe. Uh, Either way, you're probably looking at, if they finish with the first wild card, the Penguins, you're looking at Carolina or Jersey, most likely. Uh, Could they steal a series against one of those two teams? Maybe. I think it would be more about, can they steal a couple of games? Can Can they not go down in five to Carolina or Jersey? Because again, follow the path that's been laid out throughout the season, or at least since mid-January. This team will lose about three-quarters of their games to playoff teams. They will win about two-thirds of their games against non-playoff teams. So again, even if we do the math just based on the last, what are we down to now, 13 games, right? Three, six, nine, 13. Okay, so we've got five against playoff teams. So let's say they go the way they're playing lately. I'll be honest, one and four. Let's say they steal one against one of those playoff teams, maybe like Minnesota at home or something. And against non-playoff teams, well, they've got eight of those left. You can see them going, what, six and two, right? So seven and six through the final 13 is, again, enough to get them into a wild card. Maybe the first wild card. The point remains, once they get to the playoffs, they're going to be playing a playoff team. And when they play playoff teams, they lose about three quarters of their games, which tells you they'll be lucky to win one, two in the first round. Maybe they win one against Boston. Maybe they win two against Carolina or Jersey uh, if they end up facing that team in the first round. But this team is not long for any any kind of future this spring. So that's what lays ahead. It's not getting any easier uh, in the immediacy. I guess over the course of the last 15 games, you could look at it in that big a chunk and say, well, hey, they should win, last 13, pardon me, they should win more than they lose at the very least. And if they do that, again, 
they're a wild card still. That's not changing. And if they're a wild card, they're facing a good team in the first round, and they're probably getting bounced. So all that being said, that's where we're at, friends. It doesn't mean we won't continue to watch this team and hope they can snap out of it and try to find ways for them to snap out of it. Uh, We'll do that. Uh, Next episode this week will be on Tuesday to look back on the Audible game and ahead to those two big games out West. We'll hope to get some people on the horn from Denver and or Dallas to talk about those Avs and Stars teams. Uh, And we'll get Eric Tangrady as well a couple times this week, hopefully, to continue to break down what this team is looking like and look ahead to just how they figure things out down the stretch, if they can, headed into the playoffs. Uh, Thanks again for your questions in the mailbag. Thanks again for downloading and listening. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already to Fifth Avenue Faceoff.